Well, if you've been following along with us, or if you're even new here this morning, it's okay, because we're working through 2 Corinthians. And uh, we'll do a little review before we jump into chapter 3, but we, we are all the way up to chapter 3 in our quest to get through 2 Corinthians. And uh, it's been interesting as studying and preparing, as God keeps kind of formulating as we're going through. Sometimes I, I start out with one idea in the morning, on Monday morning, and then by Friday I have a different one, and, and by Sunday sometimes it's even changed at that. But this one kind of changed midweek on me, so um, hopefully it's God directing in this and leading this. But all that to be said, 2 Corinthians, as you know, is a letter that Paul writes to the church in Corinth. And again, it's not just a, a church that he doesn't have a relationship with. He knows them very well. He spent time with them. Um, we know that he spent up to 18 months with them. And he made several visits back and forth, and he wrote several letters. Uh, we call this one 2 Corinthians, the second letter, but most scholars believe it's actually the third letter. There's a reference in it to another letter that was written in between, and most even believe that he visited there once in between these letters. Um, we also, if you were with us and we went through 1 Corinthians, we know the church in Corinth was a new church, but it was a troubled church. I often joke that I am so thankful I'm here at Pointway and not at the church in Corinth because they were a wild bunch starting off and there was a lot of things that had to be corrected and Paul had to um, teach through a lot of situations, not easy situations. But through that, we have the, the blessing, and I do call it a blessing, of learning from their mistakes, right? We can, we can learn from what they went through and the struggles, and then we can implement it ahead of time and work through it uh, when we come to those same situations in the church here at Pointway. And so uh, it's a good study and a good read, um, but it was a tough church. Um, if you were with us in chapter one, we looked at comfort. Now, if you remember that, right, if you, if you read through chapter 1, you can't miss the word comfort. It's written over and over and over again. And again, we talked about that comfort that God gives us, not for ourselves necessarily. I mean, certainly we take some benefit from it, but it's also to give away, to comfort someone else, right? If we care about other people, we give that comfort to them. We walk alongside of them. Uh, if you haven't read chapter 1, then you can go back and look at it, and you can see that thread that comes through there. We also talked a little bit about the consistency, and Paul got into part of the reason that he wrote this letter was because people were upset at the church. He had said he was coming to visit them, and he didn't. God changed his plans. And if we can blame Paul for anything, he was following the Spirit and not man. And so even though he had said he was coming, God led him to a different direction. Some people went to Macedonia both there and back, and skipped over going to Corinth. And some people in the church were upset with them, and they were kind of calling them out, saying, hey, you're being inconsistent. You're, you're not keeping your word. And Paul argues that back and says, no, I was being led by the Spirit, and I need to follow that first. And so we talked a little bit about that, and he followed that up even last week as we were talking about that, but he also made a correction there. If you remember last week, if you were with us, we talked about reconciliation, right? Receiving back that brother who had sinned in the church. They had kicked him out and turned him out because he was living in sin and was bold about it, and the church was allowing it. And then he came back, and they wouldn't receive him. And Paul says, you're being too harsh. You're not forgiving them. You need to receive him back into the fellowship. And so Paul corrected him in that. And, 
and in, in many ways, Paul's doing that as well, but he's also looking for reconciliation with his relationship with the church. Evidently, there had grown some distance in the relationship that Paul had with the church, and so he's coming back to them saying, hey, you're still dear to me, I still love you, and I still care about you, what's going on. And so Paul is in that quandary of, of defending himself uh, against not only the church, but those that have infiltrated the church and even the teachers. And we're going to see that today as we look into today's message. <clears throat> I've titled today's message, Old Versus New. Bear with me. This is not a knock on old people. This is not a knock on new people by any means. No, we're talking about the old covenant versus the new covenant. And you'll see that as we get into this letter. But Paul is still battling getting connected with this church. And so the beginning of this starts off with that theme. All right? So I don't want anyone to say, leave here and say that Pastor Charlie is against old people because I can identify as one today. Tony, that was for you, not as a chair. Yes. I can speak louder for you, Tony, but the rest may be, you know. Verse 1. Of beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need, like some people, letters of recommendation to you or from you. See, Paul's battling that, you know, his, where his authority comes from, right? And he didn't have the, the letters that some of the people said. I mean, Paul was, remember, before he got converted, was very much on the side of the old Judaism. He was high-ranking. He was an official. He was a teacher. Um, he, he was well-schooled. Yet now on the Christian side, as a believer, he comes into it relatively new. Remember, he's an apostle who came on later. And so his authority is continually questioned. And again, evidently at the time, some of the teachers of that day would have papers written by others who would say, hey, I vouch for this person. I joked as I was, not joked, but as I was studying through this, I was thinking in my own mind, and, and again, I've, I've, I may have even had this same struggle. Um, as many of you know, I have not been through seminary. I don't have a degree from a seminary. I don't have that on my wall hanging. Um, I got into ministry later in life, and so my schooling is limited. I have a two-year Bible degree, and that's all I have, which in some circles would be considered not much. And so that struggle is real, and Paul is struggling with the same thing, saying, hey, I am no less a pastor because I don't have these degrees. But there were people that were questioning him. They were causing this problem in the church, church in Corinth, saying, hey, Paul doesn't have this, but look at what I have. I have the, the degrees. I have the title. And so Paul is working off that argument here for us today, and he's, you'll see that coming in the next couple of verses here. He says, you yourselves are our letter written on our hearts, known and read by everyone. You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Paul's saying, hey, I'm your, your apostle, I'm your pastor because of what you say, because of the ministry. Here's the proof, Right? I am the pastor here at Point Way Church because you folks say that I am. That's not, it's not come from anywhere else, right? I mean, I could say I was a pastor, but if you weren't here this morning, there wouldn't be much of a church, it wouldn't be much of a testimony, right? 
So Paul's doing the same thing here. He says, my ministry is proven by you and by what Christ is doing through you. You could say the same thing. I, you, if, you could say, hey, I'm a member of Pointway Church, but if there was no evidence of that, if there was no membership, if there was not a group of us coming together on a regular basis, it wouldn't mean much, right? Transversely, I know of some pastors who say, hey, I'm a pastor. And I say, all right, so where do you minister to? Or where's your church? And they're like, I don't. I, I, I just, I have my family. And I always go back through my mind and say, all right, so there's no church, then how are you a pastor, right? Again, it's not in the paperwork, but it's in the people itself. It's in the gathering of believers together. And so Paul is saying the same thing here. It also, like I said, it's a two-way street. It's not only the minister himself, but it's also the people. People are what make up the church. You are the proof of the ministry here at Point Way. Just at Camp Jim is the same thing, right? It's a, the proof is in the kids coming, the ministry there. When COVID, there was nobody there. There wasn't a lot of ministry going on other than to each other because it was very limited. Small staff. It's the same thing with a church body. So working off of that, Paul's made his, his argument here. He's, he's refuting those who are saying that you don't have the, the proper credentials or the, the recommendations that you need to be a pastor or be the apostle of this church. He goes on here in verse 4, and he says, Such confidence we have through Christ before God. Not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our confidence comes from God. He has made us confident as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives. Paul's transitioning here a little bit, but he's still carrying on that. He says, the confidence that I have to stand before you is coming from God. And we also know, I mean, we have the letter here written today that Paul had the authority from God. His words are preserved because they were spoken by God, carried by the Holy Spirit. And Paul makes that connection here, and he's saying, hey, I don't have the confidence in myself. The confidence is in God. God is the one that's speaking through me. As Rebecca prayed wonderfully, and I think Linda did earlier, right? It's, it's hopefully that God will use these words to speak to your heart, right? The Holy Spirit does that work. It's not in the words themselves, but the power that comes from behind it, right? Spirit. He's starting this new section here. He's starting off with the, the new covenant, the old covenant, right? This is where the, the title comes from, and one of the other things of the day was the uh, the, the going back to the old, right? Remember, these churches had Jews in them, and there was that constant pull to go back to the old covenant, to go back to the law. And so Paul this next section up with that argument of, hey, it's a new day. If you're a dispensationalist, and I tend to fall in that camp, we're in a new dispensation, right? We're, we're post-Christ. It's the age of the church, and so things are different now. It's not the old covenant. We're obviously not still sacrificing. We're not in the temple worshiping, but we are in a new day. And so Paul is going to contrast the old and the new here in this next section. Right? He's going to make the case for why the new is actually better in many ways. Certainly... 2,000 years later, we can see that the New Covenant is much better. If you look back in the Old Testament, that system was very difficult, and it just showed our sin and our guilt and condemnation, and there wasn't a lot of hope in that in the Old Covenant. 
And so now we're in the new covenant. And we have more available to us today, I would say, than they did back then. And that's what Paul's going to emphasize here in this. So looking at verse 7, with that as the backdrop, it says, Now, if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters on stone, came with glory to the Israelites, could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory, its glory, transitionary, through it it was. Will not be the ministry of the Spirit be more, even more glorious? And so Paul goes back to, right, he makes the connection to the law. Yeah, remember back the, the story, right? Moses goes up and receives the, the Ten Commandments from the Lord. He spends that time, and when he came down, his face was glowing. They, they couldn't even look at his face. He had spent time with God so much that it imprinted onto his face, and so his face shone that bright. And so he's making the connection here with that, that glory of God. The glory of God was, was, was implanted on, on Moses' face. But he's saying, as great as that was, there's something even better. He's talking about the ministry of the Holy Spirit here, right? The, we receive when we are saved, the Holy Spirit that indwells within us. It's so much better than just having the law, the written law. Kind of making the case here ahead of time, but you'll see because he makes this connection, and if you don't have those pieces, it seems a little bit disjointed here in the letter. But verse 9 says, If the ministry that brought condemnation was glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? For what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with the, with the surpassing glory. And if what was transitory came with glory, how much greater is the glory of that which lasts? Right? If you remember the story of Moses, right? He, he wore a veil over his face to, to cover some of that glory, but it was only temporal. It only lasted a little while. Right? It, it faded away. He eventually took off the veil, and, and he was just like you and me. He was just normal looking. The, 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 imprint, the imprint of God was no longer on him. On the other side, though, with the Holy Spirit and we become believers, that stays within us. That is constantly within us. That doesn't change. That's always there from the moment that we get saved. And so there's that difference, right? That glory lasts. It goes with us. It doesn't fade. Verse 12. It says, therefore, right? So knowing that, therefore, you know, therefore means, all right, building on that block. Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the, the end of what was passing away. Again, the contrast. Paul is making that contrast, right? Moses put a veil down to hide it in many ways, to, to keep it hidden. But us as believers, if we have the Holy Spirit, we're always encouraged to write to show it, to show Christ's love, to, to, to continually be that light. I was reading a couple of verses in John this morning that said that very thing, right? That we are to be the light, right? To, to show Christ. It should be always evident. We don't hide it. We should keep it out there for all to display, Paul even talks about having a boldness with our faith, that encouragement that comes from that. Verse 14, but, again, going back to the Israelites, but their minds were made dull, 
For to this day, the, the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. Again, that comparison to the old covenant, right? In that day, they still had people that were still trying to follow the law. They were still waiting for those. Sadly, there are still some folks today who are still waiting for that. Those Jews that did not recognize Jesus as the Messiah are still waiting. Right? They don't see clearly. He's, he's calling it a veil. And they were in that day and they are today. They don't see clearly, obviously. Right? We know that Christ took it away. Christ changed everything. In fact, part of our communion this morning is we're going to celebrate that, right? It's part of the new covenant, the reason that we do that. We recognize Jesus as the Messiah. The veil's been torn away. It's been ripped apart. It's no longer there. Verse 15, even to this day when Moses is, is read, a veil covers their heart. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord the veil is taken away. The contrast, right? Once we become believers, uh, things become anew. We see things in a different light. We've been awakened, right? Same thing for a Jew that's following the law. Once they become saved, they see things differently, right? It's a new day. It's been taken away. That veil is no longer there. There's not that separation any longer. Paul continues on in verse 17. He says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit is of the Lord, it, it, yeah, is there is freedom. And we talk about the freedom that we have in Christ, right? We're, we're no longer under that sacrificial system anymore where we have to list our sins, take a sacrifice, have a priest kill it, the blood spilled, all that. We don't have to go through that anymore, right? We have the Spirit. It's been done, that sacrifice once and for all. Paul's laying out here some very basic fundamental doctrines that we have to have as believers, but it's key to live in that freedom. Sadly, today we see quite often that there's always that, that, that tension of going back, right? Trying to go back to the law, try to, to live up to that, to, to go back to the, the rules and the regulations. And all that leads to is frustration, right? But you, it does for me, right? I, I can't measure up. I, I never quite make it. I don't go very long and I end up in sin again. Right? Comes forgiveness. That's the freedom we have, is that forgiveness. We also have that freedom that, have, that comes from the Holy Spirit within us, right? That, that leading, that guiding, that helps us not only know right from wrong, but what to do, right? That leading that leads us, you know, hey, I need to go talk to this person, or hey, I haven't seen that person well. You ever, ever get that where God just burdens your heart for somebody? Or I need to pray for them today. They haven't asked for prayer. I don't know what's going on, but God's just impressed them on my heart and I need to pray. That's the, the Holy Spirit that speaks within us and leads us. But there's freedom in that, right? There's freedom in that that we don't, it's not a, it's not a sin unless we, we disobey what the Spirit's telling us. It's a, that freedom that we have. We're not worried as much about the law, but we get that freedom in the Spirit to be led. There's a lot of other freedoms that come with that, and that's a, another message for another time. But Paul's making that contrast, again, from the old system to the new system, there's freedom. And as I mentioned earlier, there's a lot that we have that they did not have back then with the, the law. 
just the Bible itself, right? We have many more scriptures. We have history now. We have God's Word. We have the Holy Spirit within us. We have all the tools that we need now to live free. As long as we take advantage of them, right? There's still some effort on our part to read God's Word, to live by the Spirit, to follow what His Word says. Verse 18 here, as it comes to a conclusion with this, this section and with this morning even, it says, And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. I love the words that he used here, right? That he's talking about the, the unveiling, right? The, the freedom that we have, that Spirit that's within us. And he says, we are becoming God's glory, right? Even when we don't feel like God's glory, but as believers, we are. We are part of his glory which is part of the, the worship, part of the... We were talking about this morning, Linda, you mentioned earlier, right? Even when we don't feel like it, our emotions, we're not happy, it's hard, we are still part of His glory. PJ and I just spent some time up in International Falls. I'd never been there other than just briefly driving through, and we were just amazed at the creation up there. And again, we were trying to compare it to even other places, and there were things that we saw that we've never seen before. It's a beautiful area up there. There's also a lot of roads that go a long ways without seeing a house. There was a lot of windshield time that we didn't see anything. No telephone poles, no houses, just trees. But it was beautiful. It was a beautiful area, a beautiful place, and we just saw a small glimpse of it, just a part of God's creation. And really, that's what we are, right, as individuals. We're just a small part of creation, but we are created for His glory. And even more so as believers, right? Because now we have the Spirit of God within us, which needs to be shining through, right? I also like, again, the words that he picks here are being transformed, right? It's not an instant thing, right? It, it takes some, some time, quite often, for most of us to, to be transformed. We, we make some steps, we make some strides, but it's a continuation, right? I'm not yet who I need to become. I'm still growing in Christ. I'm still growing in that relationship. I'm still working out that part. It's a process. He even talks about ever increasing, right? The, the goal for believers is that we become more and more like Christ each and every day, and so that it becomes more evident in our lives. We become better at looking more and more like Christ in our actions and our deeds and how we interact with others. And yet the glory goes to God, right? He's the one that gets the glory and the praise. Comes from the Lord who's in the Spirit. So Paul wraps up this section really nicely. And again, um, Ralph asked me this morning, he's like, that's all you're going to preach? Is, is chapter 3? Chapter 3 is pretty short. Uh, yeah, it is. That's all I'm going to preach this morning because that's enough to grab a hold of, right? That's, a, that's enough to, to, to marinate on. Uh, more than enough for the week. I, I've been working on it all week, and I'm still wrestling with some parts of it. Uh, the old and the new, but also the advantage we have as believers today. And also the leading of the Spirit. Right? So my, my question this morning to you as 
believers. I'm going to address those of us that are believers this morning. If you're not, then please see me before you leave. But as believers, how are you looking? How are you looking this morning? Are you looking like the church? Are you bringing glory to God? Simple question, but has a lot of different answers to it. Again, I'm not talking about feelings as much as I am actions and being, right? Are you in the Spirit? How are you looking this morning? And how close are you, are you, are, how close are you in your relationship with God? Just two questions. I don't have three points. There's only two points. Maybe because there's only 18 verses, Ralph. That's all I got without this two. But those two points. But how are you looking? And how is your relationship with God? And I think those things, if you wrestle with those this week and you think on those things and pray about, God, maybe there's some areas I need to continue to work on. Or maybe I'm, I'm leaning back towards the, the rules and I'm not being led by the Spirit. I'm going back and forth. Or maybe I'm putting my, my faith in the wrong thing. But continue to bring glory to God in all things. Bow with me, please. Gracious Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for your word and for how it has an impact on our lives. Lord, I thank you this morning that we live under the new covenant, Lord that you've given us everything that we need for life and godliness, Lord. That you've given us the Spirit within us, Lord, to guide us and to direct us. Lord, may we yield to that leading. May we be sensitive to that leading, Lord, that we follow after you, that we only do the things that you've called us to do. Nothing more and nothing less. And Lord, in a few moments as we celebrate the resurrection of you, Lord, that that life-giving that you give to us, that eternal life, the sacrifice that you made on our behalf, Lord, so that we are no longer under that old covenant, but we are under the new. Help us to become more and more like you in each and every day. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Someone let the kids know back there that someone did? All right, good. So glad for that help. So we're going to take communion this morning. And if you're visiting with us, we, we have an open communion table. And what that means, it's open to anyone that's here that's a believer. Um, it's not a closed table to members only or anything like that. It's open to believers. Um, but here at Point Way, we do take it serious. And we, it comes with a solemnness and a seriousness and a reverence for what it means and what it the value that we place on it and the value that the Lord places on it. And so scripture tells us, it says, so then whenever you eat or drink from the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner, you'll be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. It says everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread or drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. And so one of the things we like to do here at Point Way is right where you're at, right there in your chair, just close your eyes, bow your head, just between you and the Lord, just spend a few moments um, examining yourself and recognizing what we're about to do. So take that time.
ask Bryce if he'll give thanks for the cup and the bread and for what that represents. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the cup and this bread, and we thank you for the remembrance of your death on the cross, paying the debt we could not pay, Lord. And also for your resurrection. Bless this cup, bless this bread to our bodies, bless this fellowship that we have. Amen. Steve and Bryce are going to pass those out and they come together. The cup is underneath, two cups together, and do that together as the body of Christ as a group. Take the bread with me, and it says, For I receive from the Lord what I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. It goes on to say, In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, and he said, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this. And whenever you drink it in remembrance of me, for whenever you eat this bread and drink from this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. And thank God for what he did for us. And we're reminded this morning there's still cups left. There's still chairs empty here that um, we have a responsibility as believers to encourage others to come to a fellowship and to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And so that's a good reminder this week as we reach out to our places of work, our places, I call it really places of ministry, because you have opportunities that um, I won't have or won't even get uh, in your places where you work and where you run into people. And so I would encourage you to share Christ and so that we could have more here in the fellowship together. 
as we celebrate this morning. Thank you.